Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, it's the Freight 360 Podcast. From freight broker sales tips to sports talk, this podcast is all about helping you grow as a freight broker. We're your hosts, Nate Cross and Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. Yeah, buddy. Episode 139. Welcome back, everybody, to Freight 360, your home of weekly awesome podcast episodes and content all about the world of freight. We got a really good episode today I'm excited for. This one, this comes in big demand and we couldn't smush it all into one episode. So we're gonna we're gonna break it up. Everyone starts off as a new broker is like, where do I get started? How do I get customers? How do I build my pipeline? How do I prospect? All that. So we're gonna start off with the, bone, the bare bone basic. Uh, we're gonna talk about how to basically create your pipeline, right? From, from scratch, from nothing. And we can expand on this in future episodes to get more into the you know the sales calls part and stuff like that. Um, but it's going to be a good episode, so stay tuned for it. But welcome back if you've been with us for a while. We're getting blown up with you know new subscribers, new listeners, lots of questions, and we're doing our best to address them all. We got three awesome questions at the end of today's episode. Make sure to head over to iTunes and leave that five star review. Actually, I haven't even checked in a while to see if we have any new ones. Um, share us with your friends. You know, we're really liking the growth we're seeing here. Um, but yeah, Ben, how you doing today, man? Doing well. Good. Weather is getting a little bit warm. We rounded the corner out of season, so oh. I'm on the downward trend, and you're on the upward trend. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure we're done with snow. It's been like 50s. We hit some 60s days this past week. Um, snow's gone. A lot of rain. But now it's like uh, I had to cut my grass for the first time. I started getting, I hired True Green to start spraying my lawn because I realized how many like dandelions I mm-hmm. got and all that. It's the stuff you don't think about. I go from like plowing and shoveling snow to now like trying to kill weeds and mulch. So it's never ending when you live in a, a, a place that has four seasons. But uh, I do kind of miss that though, to be honest, a little bit. I miss getting my hands dirty, I miss being out in the yard. I miss, you know, the biannual, you know, remulching of the entire property. Yep. I don't know. Just being outside, using your hands. I yeah, just, you get I to see know. the fruits of your labor it. afterward, right? So it is. So hey, sports recap. Last week we pre preluded the draft, and the draft happened over the you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, I'll tell you, the Jets had a pretty good draft. I don't know if you saw they they picked up some studs. Ooh, the Titans. The Titans traded away. Um, AJ Brown. So they've lost Julio Jones and AJ Brown now. If you're an AFC team that's not a Titans uh, team, you probably like that. Especially as Bills guy, good news. Playing for fourth year in a row now. Uh, Bills had a sweet draft. Actually, Pittsburgh, you guys drafted a quarterback first round, right? Um, Yeah, Kenny Pickett from the Panthers, Pitt alumni. Yeah, that was cool. When I saw that, it was basically like, oh, he's already in Pittsburgh. He's just going to (laughs) go. It's going to change locker rooms, which was pretty cool. they play in the same stadium, actually. I don't even know you'd change locker rooms, to be honest. Heinz Field, Panthers play at the same place the Steelers do. I didn't know that. A little Pittsburgh trivia. Mm-hmm. Right Both there. play at Heinz Field. Cool. Yeah, they 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 cut they got rid of the I think it was right before I got into college, they got rid of the stadium okay. for Pitt. It used to be they called it the Cardiac Hill in Oakland, where University of Pittsburgh yeah. is. It's like one of the steep, it's it's a mountain. And like where you park is literally the valley. Okay. And you have to walk f- where you tailgate, used to. 
in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. You had to walk from the very bottom of the valley to the very top of that mountain, and on the top of the mountain was Pitt Stadium. Oh, because I, I had a, a buddy of mine in college was from Pittsburgh. Um, Fox Chapel, is that a name of a township yeah. there or whatever? Yep. I've worked in Fox Chapel. Okay. Yeah. So, but he was explaining like the geography of Pittsburgh, and we're way off topic, but it's all good because that's what we do. You know, that's we get bad reviews from people that don't like listening to us banter for eleven minutes before we start <laughs> talking freight. But he explained how there's three rivers that come together in Pittsburgh, and there's basically like just hills and mountains all around it, uh, and that's what creates yes. the, the ridiculously wild terrain there. So, but Heinz mm-hmm. Field is down. Obviously, you're right right on one of the rivers, right By the down point. the bottom there. So. Yep. But by the way, another point to tie that into freight, if you ever have loads delivering delivering into downtown Pittsburgh, there are more bridges per capita, I think second only to Venice in the world. And tons of overpasses, underpasses that you oftentimes need to route if you're doing anything over-dimensional, so. Noted. There you go. See, we did get a little freight talk in there in the beginning. So the Bills, I want to highlight three Bills draft picks. Um, round one pick 23, the Bills actually traded up a couple spots to get um, Kair Elam, who's a uh, defensive back, cornerback, awesome pick out of Florida. Um, followed by round two, James Cook, the brother of Delvin Cook. I think he came out of Georgia. Dude's a stud. So I think him and Devin Singletary together will be a nice running um, combo there. And then round, I look at this one, round six, first pick. Matt Areza, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, they call him the punt god. He can punt like 80 yards. So they're they're making jokes like, wow. if you had to go head-to-head, Areza punting next to Josh Allen throwing, who could get the ball further? So it was pretty pretty cool. So I like the Bills draft. It was good. It's, it's nice when you, you're able to, like, you don't have, like, you didn't need a quarterback. You didn't need anything crazy. It was like, we're just, we're plugging holes here with an already outstanding team. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I'll, I'll be a bandwagon fan next year. I'm not expecting Steelers to do too much, but I'll be I'll be supporting the Bills next Honorary season. Honorary Bills Mafia member. Anyone else that wants to join the Mafia, you drop us a line. We'll, we'll give you a shout-out on the show. Um, you got playoff hockey and basketball going on. I don't follow either yeah. enough. Penguins, Penguins won in triple overtime yesterday. Against the Rangers, yeah, right? Definitely unexpected win. I think the I mean, Rangers were been playing supposed, very well. Yeah, because they're like the favorite team, right? So the Penguins are the yeah. underdog. Sidney Crosby, is he still playing? 87? He's, yeah, he was playing yesterday. Um, they said he almost, I don't think he had a goal. He said he had some great assists, you know, definitely put some shot against the goals. They said they, you know, the Penguins got destroyed in the first period shot-wise, and then they just, you know, turned it on second through the next, well, five periods. Two in regular and three in overtime. I didn't get to see much of it, but you know, ton of it was you know on the radio this morning. I got to watch the highlights. It was a hell of a game. Yeah, three overtimes is crazy. Um, and then you've got the Kentucky Derby this weekend on Saturday. I think the actual race is at like five fifty-seven Eastern or something like that. Um, so get out your mint juleps and your hats and your obnoxiously large ha- large hats. And go enjoy the Derby. I think the Derby was in like September last year because of COVID. They pushed it back. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was in maybe. May. It's usually I in May. It might have been. Um, yeah. Maybe it was canceled canceled the year prior. I forget what it was. Either way, I got a friend that works in brokerage that he went with his wife or girlfriend, whatever, last year, and um, they had a blast. So they what do I call it? Like the the most entertaining sixty seconds in sports or something like that. So this is an off topic, but it's an entertaining story about the Derby. Have you ever heard of the running of the Johns? No. 
Okay, so one of my buddy, oh, he's been on the show, Bruce. You know, he lives in northern Kentucky, just out of Cincinnati. They go to the Derby all the time. And they told me that they do this thing. It's called the running of the Johns when basically everybody's hammered. Somebody gets up. You know how they have rows of porta Johns? Yeah. Right? This, the drunkest person will just get up on one end and start running across the top of the porta Johns <laughs> to the end of the line. And every drunk person just starts lobbing beers at them, throwing empty cups. And it's just like something that happens like he's like every year wow. like just the drunkest people somebody gets talked into it and you just the whole crowd starts screaming and you just start seeing beers flying at the porta johns and there's just some idiot running across until he falls or gets knocked one off. sorry drunk guy gets nominated as the sacrifice every year i love it well there's your sports recap we'll be we'll make sure to let you know if we hear about the running of the johns in this 2022 kentucky derby I'm sure there's some good YouTubes on it. If you're bored and you're looking for something to do after our show, throw that in YouTube. There's got to be some great <laughs> videos on that. All right. Let's give a shout out to our friends over at DAT before we hop into the content today. Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT load board network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners, Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of Power Express or Trucker's Edge. And if any of you are out there, listeners that are working with us and you're about to sign up for DAT, please use the link. Again, it gives you a free month, helps us support us over here and cost you nothing. Yep, free stuff. We, we talked to someone, I think it was like two months or a month or so ago that Ended up getting like multiple licenses, never took advantage of it, never got the free month. So for like five, five I coached them from their first day in freight, right? And now they've got a team of six people in another country, like they're doing really well. And we met with them and we're like, you have six licenses? Did you use our code? And they're like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> anyway, Here's so guess, quick reminder. All right, so pipeline. Now, as a preface to this, depending on how you get started in brokerage, this is gonna vary for you. So for example, let's say you go and work for a local brokerage in your town or city. Chances are you may be handed a pipeline as a start and you've just gotta groom it and add to it, right? That's gonna be different than someone that, let's say is a brand new agent for a company or starts their own shop. Let's start with what a pipeline is, yeah. because I didn't really know that was that common, and that does make a lot of sense. I can see why that is the case at a lot of smaller brokerages. Yeah. But anyway, like a pipeline, right? Just to break down what yeah. we're talking about. What is a pipeline? So the two, you know, and we'll talk more about pipeline versus funnel in future episodes, but a pipeline, you think of it as like, you know, a pipe. Like, it's going to be horizontal, and you could think of it as going from the beginning, like left to right, across your screen or across your mind there. And what happens is you the, the concept is that a prospect will enter your pipeline on one side and hopefully come out the other side as a customer, right? And you wanna make sure your pipeline is full so as they progress through those phases, right? And the beginning of a pipeline is you have no con, you're, there's no contact yet. They're just, they're just a prospect with a name and a phone number. And as they move through that pipeline, right? Different things happen, like the first time you reach out to them, the first call you have, overcoming some objections, asking questions, answering questions, getting to build rapport. These all happen as they travel through your pipeline. And then on the other side, the ones that turn into customers will come out the other side. 
Now, some people will also, they'll flip the pipeline on its side and call it a sales funnel, or you drop prospects in the top and they come out the bottom. Well, and that's what I was gonna, the only thing I was gonna add is just my visual take of this, and it's just because of where I started and the pictures they had on the wall, right? Like, you know, one was on its side just like that, and one was like this. But the regardless is, the beginning of the funnel should be wider than the end of the funnel, right? And why that is is because it's a graphical representation of what happens when you're building your customer base. Meaning, you'll start with a lot of them, and every day and every week, you will disqualify some. Yeah. You will still add some and disqualify. So you got the end where, and that's where you're a couple touches, up to 10 touches, they hang around here. But once you start having real conversations and they make prospect, you know, you make progress. Like you're moving loads, you move a couple more loads. Maybe they you're become just like quotes, dedicated you know I mean? lanes. Stuff like that. Maybe, yeah, quotes. Progress in any way moves that prospect closer to the other side where they eventually become a customer and some get disqualified and kicked back out the other side, yep. right? Because again, you can't push them all through to the other side. Exactly. A much smaller number will make it through than start. It's interesting you brought up, you know, breaking down what a pipeline is. My first job in sales, I, I worked for um, a distri distribution company and uh, I was on a sales team and they told me, I started in college and then I took a full-time job after two years out of college and they always talked about your sales pipeline and I was like, I never asked but I had no idea what it was for like two years. And then I think eventually somebody like just explained it to me or I asked or whatever the case is. And I was like, that makes so much more sense. I was like, why are we using like a construction term for, you know, for our, for sales, but mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. Um, so that's what a pipeline is, which, you know, on that note, if you have, there's no dumb questions when you're new in this industry. So, you know, if you don't understand what something means or what it is, you should be asking. And if you don't ask, you're just you're going to be like I was for two years, not knowing and just constantly wondering what the heck is a pipeline. Uh, but that could be, you know, maybe you don't know what a tonu is, or you don't understand what drop trailers are, or the spot market. Right? These are just these are phrases that we learn in freight brokerage or transportation in general. That it's good to understand, and so you so you know when you're talking either to a carrier or a customer or someone else in the brokerage, whether it's your company or someone else, you can you can talk the same language and understand what, what all that means. So now, and here's a couple, and I wanted to go yeah. through a couple of steps just from some generic terms, and you'll see these termed differently based on the company you're with, but it'll give you a general sense. Maybe we can even throw one up in the YouTube, or we'll put one up in the blog. But the, the widest part of the funnel is your prospecting your lead generation. Next, we have qualification, right? You're qualifying them. Do they work with brokers? Um, do they have? Do they only work with assets? Do they have full, full truckload whatsoever? Right? Maybe it's LTL, but whatever it is you're prospecting for, do they ship that? Do they utilize the the service you have? Qualification, right? Next, um, they have proposal and post proposal, and in our industry, that's really like the quoting stage. Hey, they have some interest. They're sending you some lanes. You're having a dialogue about the need of some of specific shipments. Maybe you get one here. Maybe you want a couple lanes, right? I'll even so back proposal, up and say the proposal includes proposal. Your, your sales calls where you're proposing to work with them, right? It's when you're trying to yes. get them on the phone to give you a shot to even have a lane to quote, you know? So that's all part of that. Correct, because 
Because your lead gen is just you and a computer, which we're gonna go through. Qualifying could be you and a gatekeeper. You don't need the decision maker to determine whether or not they ship what you're looking for and the quantity. Proposal, to your point, could just be speaking to the decision maker and then trying to move them along the funnel to the next stage, which is, all right, we've won some lanes and we moved some, we've got a commitment. And once they become a full customer is when, in my world, like the ultimate where we're actually trying to go is you've got a customer that trusts you enough that they send you loads, you send them trucks and you send them the bill for it. Yep. Like that is, in my, my opinion, like the ultimate relationship in kind of our industry. That's it. So, um, and you, you already mentioned it, and we've talked about it before, prospecting and your dialing are two separate activities. And we're gonna talk about building your pipeline with prospects today, not the actual calling activity. We will hit on that in a later episode, or episodes, plural. That's a lot of content to go through. Um, so, where do you start, right? I wanna say I think it's very important to make sure before you ever consider dialing, have enough prospects in your pipeline or your funnel, whichever visual or method you want to use on it, have enough so that when you get to that phase, you have enough activity to actually perform, right? Because what we don't want you to do is to find a prospect and call them, and then find another prospect and call them. No, get a bunch of prospects and then organize them and then go through and make all your calls. It's way more efficient. Now, how many prospects should you have in a pipeline or in your funnel before you're ready to start dialing. There's not a really a subscribe right or wrong answer, but let's give you our feedback. Ben, what do, you, what do you think, what have you seen, and then I'll give you my take on it. I tell everybody they should have 300 before they pick up the phone. I think that should take you a good first week while you're either going through our course or learning from somebody else. And to be honest, I think spending your first week reading a lot of what's going on in the industry, spend a lot of time on freight waves, consume podcasts. Honestly, and DAT's podcast, the one that Dean and Ken do, why I think those are great and they should be right alongside what you're doing is it's going, they're gonna talk about the things that are that are needed in the industry right now. The products that are being hard to move, some of the issues that are there. Those are the ones, again, that I feel should be what you're putting in your funnel. Yeah. The, the prospects that ship things that are, they're having difficulty, they have capacity issues. You'll get that information on shows like ours or on freight waves and just reading industry news. And I think spending your first week just doing those two things is tremendously valuable. I agree. Um, your 300 number, I'm good with. Um, I never had an exact number on it. I, I always thought, a, you know, a couple hundred. So I got two, 300, I think is good. Now what well, I here's, wanna, I wanna- and Here's where three, came from, just to reiterate and why, is if we kind of, and we do this in coaching, we usually start people in the beginning at just 50 calls a day um, in an eight hour period for four of the first five days once you really start. Because one day you're probably gonna have some issues or whatever, you know, conservatively four days at 50, that's 200. You should have a little bit more to start your next week so that you're not chasing okay. back. I get that. And that's kind of where the 300 came so from. So now you don't get 300 overnight and this is where I wanted to add my, my take on it into this conversation is um, starting with anything is progress, right? So if that means the first day, all you're able to do is find like 10, right? Maybe set a goal for, I wanna get 50 the first couple days, right? Because what you're doing is you're flexing that muscle and you're learning how to find prospects and what information you actually need, right? And this is where utilizing a CRM, like a HubSpot or a Salesforce, or maybe you've got one inside of your TMS, this is where it's really good. You can quickly add their information in there. What's their company's name? 
Who's your point of contact that you want to get a hold of? Do you have a phone number, an email address, any other relevant information that you want to capture, such as where are they located? What commodities are they shipping? Is there a certain equipment type? You can make this, and you'll identify what works best for you as far as those data points you want to capture, because a lot of it, you don't necessarily have until you get on the phone with them. You might just know that this is a steel company in Alabama, and that's all I know. And I got to go digging now to find a contact and a phone number. Uh, and then you talk to them and you find out what they're, you know, what kind of steel are they shipping? Is it steel coils, right? Is it something else? Um, and then, you know, what kind of equipment type? Is it just a straight flatbed, 48 foot? Do they have anything oversized that's going to go on like an RGN or a, a double drop or whatever the case might be? Those things come later. Start with basics and then you'll start to really learn what information is good for you. So I don't think it's bad to start off with just company name and commodity and if you know if you got a phone number, right? That's a agreed. Good, and that's I think a great that's starting point. It is. And you should be able to acquire kind of the rest through conversation anyway, because the more things you have to talk about, the longer the duration of the call, which is going to be helpful. Um, I do want to add something to this though. And a little bit as to why I think it's good to spend your first week reading, understanding what's going on while you're researching, because it's gonna take a long time at first, to your point. Like you might get five or 10 leads in your first day. So you want something to be able to break it up. Nobody wants to spend eight hours doing anything. Data entry, writing, anything. Any task for one person to do nonstop throughout the day seems terrible. So break it up a little bit, read some things, watch a couple of videos, watch a couple of our videos, then go back to doing this. The other thing I wanted to loop in is you brought up commodities, and I think this is really important for people that are building their first funnel, is group them together. And we talk about this in another video that we put out, Prospecting with a Purpose, and in earlier episodes that you can find through our site. But really that premise just comes down to, one thing is that if you're going to be talking to a group of people in a given day, it's way more effective to talk to the same group because you can use what you've learned in one call literally in the next call. Yeah. It's very difficult to prospect a produce shipper that ships oranges and then talk to somebody about steel ingots and then to talk to somebody about building materials when you're new and all of it's new. Yeah. When you're just calling building materials and maybe you're just calling lumber, you can learn a lot about lumber just in prospecting calls. Hey, what do you guys ship? Who do you supply it to? Where does it come from? Where are you guys in the supply chain? Do you guys ever deal with raw lumber? Just asking questions around what they do and where they're at then you get on the next call. Yeah. And now you've learned a ton that you can use in your next conversation. I think one of the most, and we, we call this to find a niche, right? Find an area of the market that you can focus on and you could change that niche based on if you enjoy it, if you're passionate about it, if you're effective in it. Um, but using a certain commodity as your niche is, is usually pretty effective for someone that's newer. Like for example, you use produce, and even produce is such a wide, wide variety Huge. of commodities, right? You've got apples that ship out of the Northwest in Washington, which have nothing to do with the citrus that comes up out of Florida, and also has nothing to do with the avocados that come out of Mexico in the wintertime, right? Or the potatoes that come in the late summer and fall in the Northeast versus tomatoes out in Idaho, or like, you know, in February, whenever it is. So. Um, you know, it, it's you, you've got to. I would really recommend honing on something fairly specific, and you can simply use Google and start to search, and it gives you. You're going to avoid the paralysis analysis or analysis paralysis, whatever it's called, because mm -hmm. you're specific. You're like, I want to find, you know, 
I want to find citrus growers and brokers in Florida. And that's my starting niche. Mm -hmm. Cool. Now go. Don't worry about anything else until you either realize that you don't want to do that. There's not enough of them there. Maybe you got to expand your search and cast a wider net. But start somewhere. That is progress. Yes. And I, and I think some of the other things to add are like, you're not necessarily going to intentionally find your niche, at least from what I've seen and just being in the industry. It's like you go at one <clears throat> and then you either qualify it or disqualify it. And both of them are just as good because both of them, you either got what you needed or you've realized you can stop wasting your time because the opportunity isn't there. And then you just leave those leads till next year. So they roll back around. It's not like you don't use them again. Yeah. And I think the next thing that you pointed out, right? When you said, you reminded me about Google News, right? If you are prospecting, let's say four or five commodities at any time. Google Alerts. You can set up- I think you're talking about Google right? Alerts, yeah. right? Yeah. But now the days that I'm prospecting, we'll say bread. I don't know. I know I know a guy that shipped a lot of bread and made a lot of money doing it. Like, let's just say you're shipping, you're prospecting bakeries in the Northeast, for instance, right? Now, like, I can just look up a couple news articles, see what's going on in the industry, look up the ingredients that go into bread, see if there's any shortages of them, anything, literally anything I need that is just going on the industry to just help me with that conversation today. I don't now need to research every single prospect to the detail that I know what's in their website, I know what they've done, I know all about their company history. I need to know what's going on in their industry. That is enough to have a good first conversation and enough to be able to get you to your second conversation. And that's really all you're trying to do at this stage anyway. Yep. And I think that's a big a big thing rookies spend a lot of wasted time on is just digging into a company for hours and then nobody answers and then it's like, okay, was that time really well invested? So let me, and this is, this is one of the reasons why we don't recommend you buy a shipper list because you don't have any context yes. to it. It's just, it's basically an unorganized list of phone numbers. You have no search capability. Yes. Over. So let me talk produce. This is, we're just going to use it as an example, right? Um, let's say you try to prospect a certain type of produce in a certain market the wrong time of year. You're going to quickly realize, well, it's the wrong time to prospect for it. But use the tools out there. So I know, we talked about it in the past produce calendar, what ships when, we have a generic one on our website. Um, I came across a really nice website recently and decided we're not gonna reinvent the wheel. So why don't you take a look at what's already out there? There's a great, so first of all, the USDA website has a lot of really good produce stuff that tells you about the seasons and what's, what's in when, but there's another website that goes even further to talk about where. So it's called pickyourown.org. And what's interesting is it's it wasn't designed for freight brokers, right? This is actually designed for people that wanna go pick their own produce. Like maybe you wanna go pick blueberries. And like my, my wife took my son last year to go pick blueberries in the summertime. And there's only a very limited window in the Northeast for certain, to pick certain things. Like apples we pick in the fall, right? You know, Christmas mm -hmm. trees are gonna, be in like November, December, and pumpkins are gonna be in the fall as well, right? But if you don't know based on where you live or in our state when that stuff is harvested, which is what this pickyourown.org does, you can use this tool. You can literally go to their website, click on your or either your state or any of the 50 states or all the Canadian provinces, and it will tell you, broken down month by month, what is harvesting when. And that is how you can really drill down for produce or in produce, for example, on when is a good time to prospect a certain commodity throughout the year if it's seasonal. Now, not every customer is seasonal, so keep that in mind. Some companies ship year round, but if it's produce or something like that that is seasonal, 
you're going to want to make sure that you understand what is harvesting and shipping when and in what areas. So we'll put a link in the, with that too. in the notes too for that website. It's pretty good. That are super important because that's fantastic, right? And here's why that really matters is they used to refer to it, and I'm sure they still do, like is when the market flips, right? Like when the market flips with produce, right? You'll see a state or that region like literally go upside down in the middle of a day. And like, it was a big deal. Like we'd just literally announce it through the company. Like, hey, you know, Nogales just flipped or Florida just flipped. And what that really means is once that day, like once they literally go to harvest, nobody knows exactly when the, you know, the farmers are going to start like loading. They've got a general idea, but based on the weather, they determine when that actually happens, yep. right? But as soon as it does, and we talk about this in other shows and other episodes, trucks literally will migrate around the country to go towards those produce. Yeah, and the demand why is that? jumps drastically. Yes, and it shifts the whole thing. And Florida's a great example because it's a peninsula. So most of the produce comes out and trucks can only come in to get it and go back out. So we'll say just on average, you might see Florida in a normal market where it's like $2.70 to come in and two sixty to go out or you know somewhere thereabouts, right? What'll happen when you see like watermelons go off in the middle of the day, inbound will drop to $1.20 and outbound will go up to like $5 a mile, $4.50 a mile, something like extreme. And why that happens is because the watermelon shippers, like they have such an urgency to get them shipped that they can't not have a truck loaded. Once the fruit comes off the vine, it starts losing its sugar content, its value, it starts to move in the opposite direction. It's no longer taking nutrients, it's literally starting to die. So every moment, every hour, every day really does matter. And that's what really shifts a lot of the trucking market yep. throughout the whole country, throughout the whole year. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So now that we understand that part of it where some seasonal stuff will affect the market like that, so then you gotta determine, okay, well how do I start to gather the information and the contact details for these types of shippers to put them in my Let me add one more thing. Or my funnel. Let me add one more thing before yep. we go into putting them in there is, because we got asked this yesterday, right? When in relation should you put them in your funnel to the, we'll say harvest state, right? Let's yeah. say something's gonna harvest, whatever, June 1st. My opinion is, and this is what I do, is like I'll prospect, I'll, I'll do two. I'll go four months ahead to try to start my basically eight phone calls between now and when I think that harvest date is. Again, my first calls, they're not gonna need anything. They won't be talking to truckers. They'll probably tell you they have everyone. You're just trying to get on the bench and to get your name in the hat because things change every year. So one is start about a season before of just reaching out and get your name in there. And then the second thing is I will call things that have just gone on harvest and just try to catch somebody on a bad day where their broker or their truck dropped the ball and they just need extra capacity. Yep. And that two-pronged approach will is, I found, the most effective way to go at produce. Yeah, so uh, a good example of it, right? We know that once you hit around, I usually call it like spring break time. It's the time that I would mm -hmm. go down and visit my mom down in Florida, and I would see a lot of the, the citrus distributors with all these, you know, these open trucks just full of oranges and nectarines and everything, and I'm like, oh, it's harvest season, right? And that usually happens right around when you turn from winter to spring. Yep. So over the winter time is a really, really good time to start those phone calls. I do want to add one more thing. It doesn't mean you can't prospect a customer when they're in their harvest season, right? They're just right. two different kinds of calls. 
When you're calling someone before harvest, you're there to build relationships, get your name out there to them, learn about what they expect to have coming up and timeline and all that stuff. Whereas when you're calling someone during harvest season, you're trying to actively get in right away. Now, if you're brand new in brokerage and you know I'm probably gonna stumble on my first couple hundred prospects that I work on, you know, it's probably a good idea to, to start calling before the harvest seasons versus trying to be that person that comes in there when you have no idea what you're doing to save the day for them during harvest season. So keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, so like I, I was just actually I pulled up the, the Florida um, the Florida calendar on this website and it you know it talks about like you said watermelons and watermelons it looks like right at the end of May going into June is when watermelon harvest season kicks off and it goes in, until like almost November if not tails mm-hmm. off in November um, and there you go so like this time of year right when it's just about to kick off you you want to already have been having conversations with these with these watermelon folks because um, it's a lot different conversation before than it is you calling them they've got truckloads that got to get moved today or tomorrow right um so yeah now but now that we know unless you want to add anything well, but i do i wanted to cover ahead. two things on that same thing that we've talked about one and like we called it ambulance chasing right and that's where other prospects and other topics to find this is what i'm getting out of the news what i'm getting out of the news and looking for are areas that are tight in capacity um issues like Tons of issues right now you're seeing in the news where um, automotive manufacturers can't get parts in time. A lot of those move from Detroit to Canada, right? Like these are things that you can hear literally in your daily news or in your local news that that's what I'm gonna use the next day. Because again, the same thing is if I'm calling somebody that's shipping as of like today, they started shipping watermelons a week ago, like I know they need to get out. I know they've got carriers lined up, but there's a pretty high likelihood if they've got a problem, they'll need somebody right now. Yep. Same thing with ambulance chasing, finding commodities that are in the market that are having a very difficult time getting moved for one reason or another. And there's always something in the news right now. Definitely. So now how do you get the information? I'm gonna tell you, old school Google is a, it's a beautiful tool. It's free, as long as you've got internet, right? But it's free. You can literally search into Google steel manufacturers in Alabama or you know citrus distributors in Florida or you name it right and then you could start to find the names of these companies a lot of times you'll find they'll be through like business rankings like some some websites will write a blog or a report that lists like you know the top 100 suppliers of a certain commodity by their revenue and that's a really good way to get like 50 or 100 leads to put into your pipeline, and then you could start doing your homework on, all right, cool, I've got the name of this company, I know their commodity, you know, generally, now I just gotta get a contact, phone number, and hopefully somebody's name, right? So here's a really good tip on that, and if you're in a larger brokerage, right, and specifically like the one I used to work at, right, and it, it goes the same with any of them, when we would find like an association list, right, whatever, you know, United Steel Workers or whatever it is, sure. right? I think that's a union. Anyway, you <laughs> yeah. find you find one, you find like a list or a group of an association, right? Like United Apple Growers of the Northwest, whatever. If you're in a big company, how we would know whether or not that was a good list is if the first 15 on that list are already customers and you cannot call them, it's a good list. Yeah. Like it seems like it isn't. And like we would always laugh because the new people would be like, oh, this list is terrible. They're almost all customers. And then like everyone else would kind of laugh like list. that makes sense. Like that makes it a great list, right? Like, okay, eliminate those. You know, the last are likely in the same group, have the same criteria as 
really good performing customers. Yep. So those are things to look at. And also, if you're in a brokerage, I always look at what the other top guys are doing. What's moving? Who's moving a lot of loads within my company? If they're doing it, there's probably some other company doing some similar work that you can get in with that no one's heard of. Yep, so um, Google, it will connect you absolutely with, like you mentioned associations, those are big. Um, I'm a big fan too of the the Chamber of Commerce websites. If you've honed down to a certain area or a county or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, an, I did an example of this super early on in the podcast year or days and years. I think I used like, whatever chamber of commerce website for like Atlanta, Georgia. And it was really cool was to Georgia. look up yeah. like just uh, different um, building material suppliers and things like that. Because these these companies that are members of their chamber of commerce, they're on there, they're not on there because they wanna become a lead for some transportation sales rep or freight broker, but their information is all there to be used for that exact purpose if you're trying to build up your pipeline and create your sales funnel that way. You'll get contact names, you'll definitely be getting phone numbers, addresses, company names, and all that stuff. And typically you'll get the revenue, their, like the, their annual revenue, because this is all pertinent business information that they want in their Chamber of Commerce profile. But it's a super awesome way for you to get all the data points you need as a broker trying to fill your pipeline up. So Google, Chamber of Commerce, um, USA, a reference USA, I think has a new name now. Some it does have a new it. name. And I can't, oh, I wish I knew it off the top Pretty of my head, but though. the point is all you've got to do is go to your local library and go to your go library to the, online. That's how I did it a couple of years ago. Yes. I went to the, and if you go to the public library for Western yep. New York and created an online account and boom, I was able to get in right away. Yes, and it's usually under like a tab that says research or it'll say business resources and then it'll say research and then you see the words like NAICS or, um, What's the other one? Uh, NMFC. SIC, S-I-C. Oh yeah, SIC code. What what those are, and I'm gonna Google those to give the exact name, but the NAICS and the SIC codes are like national, I'm gonna tell you exactly what they're They're a numerical code that identifies the commodity that they're producing, shipping, whatever. Yeah, the North American Industry Classification System. It's the standard used by the federal statistical agencies in classifying business establishments for the purpose of collecting, analyzing, and publishing statistical data in the US economy. So basically, if you find a customer, and this is also what we used to do in a big brokerage, if somebody blew up an account, the first thing we're doing is finding that customer, looking up the NAICS code, finding a company like Reference USA, throwing it in there, and finding every other company in the United States that is classified under that same thing. Yep. And then figuring out the revenue size, and then figuring out who the closest ones that were similar to that customer. Absolutely. So there's your there's your intro on building your pipeline. We clearly, we can have multiple, multiple episodes on this and we definitely will continue to push the content out. But here's the big takeaway, right? Get yourself a, start with a niche. Go out there and find a bunch of company names using the, the resources that we just outlined. Create a list of all the ones you wanna add as prospects. Get the contact info in any way you can and boom, throw them in your CRM and get those few hundred starter prospects you got a full pipeline, and then we could talk about what to do next after you've got that. But didn't want to get too long-winded on it. We always, you know, we always are guaranteed to waste 11 minutes BSing about sports. But uh, you know, the what do they call it? The, the John Run, or was it John the Dead? What'd you call that? Oh, the porta potty uh, thing. Yeah, they call it the the running of the Johns. Running of the Johns, right? 
Um, but that, I mean, that was, we broke down a lot of really good stuff for the starter thing or the starter portion of, of prospecting is where do you start? And I will tell you this, and this, this sounds so simple, but it's so effective is stop thinking of trying to create this master business plan before you take any action. Just go out there and start, do something. Any kind of forward progress is gonna be the first success you have. If you just sit there and you're thinking, oh, for, you know, I've, I've talked to people that like for months, they got their authority and like, yeah, the last 12 months has been really getting this business plan together. I'm like, what does that mean? That means you've been unemployed the last 12 months. You haven't done anything. So, it reminds me of that quote, right? If learning and knowledge were all it took, would all be billionaires with six pack abs, right? Like <laughs> the thing that differentiates the successful people from the people who didn't make it is just the people that were successful were willing to take action and were willing to take action again once they failed. And they were just yep. willing to do that over and over and over again until they reached a point where they did win. So we've had a lot of we've had a lot of happy listeners and people that consume our content. They've told us like your guys' information and your content is so helpful. It has helped me fill in the blank, right? Make more calls or help me grow my th- grow my book of business. But at the end of the day, they had to take action with the information we had. If someone t- goes through all of our material in the Freight Broker Basics course and doesn't do anything with it or doesn't ask questions or do more research on it or go through it again and then apply it, it's no good. It's like reading a book which is what a lot of people do when they read a book. They don't actually do anything with it, right? They don't but, take notes. They don't sit there and go back through, feel, yeah. figure you out how they can take. apply it. Use the book for what it was meant to do to actually yep. change the things in your life. It's I like, mean, it could be an entertainment book, but I yeah. guess where we're going. It's like, <laughs> it's like co- business coaching, or maybe you go to see a counselor or a therapist, or you go to the doctor or the dentist, right? If you don't actually do what they're telling you to do, it's pointless. You're wasting your time and your money. So anyway, it's a good starter conversation on getting the pipeline going, and we're gonna definitely expand on that in upcoming episodes. Um, I'm gonna give a shout out to our friends over at Lean Solutions Group before our Q&A here. Obviously, we've mentioned it before. This quarter, we're focusing on the labor shortage. We had a really great YouTube video and blog come out recently. If you if you guys are on the newsletter, it was featured, Ben, I think your video that you did was featured in there um, this week. Really good one, talks about different ways to hire, but we highlight the near store, near shore staffing option. So we're, we've been trusted partners with Lean Solutions Group for quite a while now. Check them out at leangroup.com if you're trying to, trying to find bodies for your back office or account managers, or maybe you need help with the tech side of things or marketing for your brokerage or your, your business in general. Check them out, they've got a really good um, staffing option for you as far as hiring when there's a labor shortage here in the United States. So check them out at leangroup.com. All right, three questions. These all today, these all came from our online Facebook group. It's called Freight Brokers and Carriers Network. Um, we're up to almost 40,000 members in there. <laughs> we're doing a pretty bad job at moderating. I'm still trying to go through every day and remove the spam and the Bitcoin crypto stuff and the you got a you want a dope business logo drop your name below like they're gonna pop up there and the stupid videos that people post just because they want comments and likes and stuff but um these questions all came out of there from i believe the last like 24 hours so here we go not gonna include any names first question how much should i be spending on a tms and software total this totally depends if you're brand new and on your own the least you can as spend little as possible the effective tools that you need is the better 
right? A company like Ascend or Rose Rocket, who both we endorse their product because I think they're a great option for someone that's brand new because they have a good cost-effective solution and you could use the, basically their freemium version to try it out. Um, those are great because you're not gonna spend a lot of money. You're spending like less than 100 bucks with Ascend a month and you get everything, right? Um, that just gave me a great idea. Remind me after. Okay. Um, don't go out there and buy a $1,000 a month TMS package if you're not gonna be able to get a return on your investment from using it. So you can always add technology later if it is deemed necessary for either a specific project you're working on or a customer that you've got or maybe a carrier or just whatever, right? But you don't need everything to start. So I would say if you can spend, I'm gonna use your number 300 as just, I just think it's a ballpark. If you can spend less than 300 bucks a month yeah. on all your tech to start off, which you definitely can, I would say do it. That's gonna allow you to get a TMS, a phone line, you probably already have internet, otherwise you're not in the 21st century. Um, well, I mean, you're a CRM, you can even get a free CRM through HubSpot until you start getting a lot of contacts in there. Um, spend as little as possible, and then as you need it and you're making money and you wanna add time-saving features, then you could spend more money because the business allows for it. So I'm gonna say 300 bucks, and that's gonna include your load boards too, right? You can get DAT, for like, depending on which version you get, it's between 100 and 200 bucks a month, and you get a free month if you use the link that, that we provide for you in the affiliate section on our webpage, link in the show notes. But 300 bucks a month, you can get everything you need. Everything. You got a different number? No, I think that's pretty spot you on. You heard it here, $300. If you're spending more, even a penny more, you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. All right, the next question, I'm gonna let you take this one, and then I'll see if I can hop in. Because this is big lately. I've had this conversation like 10 times in the last week. I'm struggling to get carriers. I keep, I'm trying to keep my rates above three bucks a mile. What advice can you give me? Um, we found it hard to get carriers like a lot more so than now, like in the previous year or two years. It's softened a little yeah. bit now, but again, there's a there's certain lanes and certain markets that haven't really loosened up. So um, if you're struggling to get carriers, what, what's your advice? It's likely you are looking at this too generally, and I'll show you what I mean. Normally when I work with somebody one-on-one -on -one and I figure out or we dig into this question and it's, hey, wh where's my pricing at in relation? It's always two things. The first question I would ask you is, what do you know about that shipment? Is this a shipment that needs to go? How much time do you have once you get it to move it? And how many days do you have to actually move it once you get it? Um, is this a load that needs like very strict appointments and has multiple drops, right? These are all things that will move the rate in a different direction than the average. Now, again, $3 a mile is definitely probably on the higher end right now for that national average, but there are absolutely lanes that at any given day are well above this or and also below it. And to be honest, like they're lanes that you might be able to book a truck for three bucks a mile on Tuesday in the afternoon, but not be able to do it Wednesday and maybe do it Thursday in the afternoon. Again, yeah. like there's so much fluctuation in the market that you've really got to spend some time looking at the load boards from the point of view of the trucker if you're not able to get a load cover. It's the first place I go. Yeah. What are my other brokers posting their loads for right now? And why are carriers taking some other load except mine? And yep. you'll see it, it's, it'll be plain as day. So that's exactly what I wanted to say and I'll add to it is, um, it's good to use your rating tools and find out where the market's at on average. But then in addition, like you said, 
Look at it from a carrier's point of view. Look at what other brokers are posting and offering these loads for. Is your rate that you're trying to offer below what someone else is posting this load for? If so, that's a really good reason why you're not finding carriers. The next thing is, not all carriers are built or created equally, right? They might have different motivations. For example, one carrier might really, really, really want a certain lane because they have a consistent freight coming out of the destination of that lane, right? So you might have a carrier that's willing to take a load um, going to Baltimore for cheaper than the market average because they have consistent freight out of Baltimore over and over and over. And on the flip side, you might have a carrier that they're just want, they're just trying to chase the highest paying freight because they don't really care where they go. They just want to keep bouncing around. They don't have a routine of going home every week or every two weeks. So you got to find out when you're on the phone with these carriers, ask questions. If your rate's not in the ballpark with them, that's fine. But gather some intelligence and some data and throw it inside of your your, your carrier record or your whatever your tool you're using in your TMS. You know how many trucks do they have? Where do they? What are their preferred lanes? Where are they looking for freight? Either in or into or out of, right? Because maybe not not right now, but now you've got the information for later dates. So you know, it's interesting. I think we should maybe even do this as our next episode or the third episode in this prospecting series. Like exactly why and what happens on the shipper's point of view, the carrier's point of view, why when you first start prospecting, does everything seem like you're too expensive? Why does that change over time? And what the conversations you have alongside those to get that information out. Definitely, definitely. I think next week's episode, we've got a guest on, right? Yeah, and we can do this one the week after. So, all right, last question here. I'm looking to become a freight broker. Can you point me in the right direction? So freight360.net, you'll find everything you <laughs> well, need. <laughs> but here, but realistically, right? We, you know, we have a lot of folks that they're interested in it and they're like, where do I start? And what I would tell you is um, you, you should really take a look at your life and what you want your work or your career to look like. Because you can broker a lot of different ways. Do you want to go work for an organization that's going to train you and provide you with you know, a pipeline full of leads to work on and already has established customers and all that. If so, then you should go and apply for jobs in your area as a freight broker. Um, you're gonna probably get a base pay, some training, a small commission percentage. But if that's the model you wanna work in, you wanna you want a J-O-B and you want a job, right? You wanna go work in an office, look for jobs that are posted and start applying. Now, maybe you wanna be an entrepreneur and go start your own shop, right? Get educated. Find a mentor or a coach. Learn as much as you can and ask questions, and you just gotta start. And you gotta refine and change things until they start to work. Get rid of the things that aren't working and keep repeating and add on the things that are working. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Maybe you wanna work independently, you wanna go be an agent with no experience, and you found a company that'll take you on and kinda coach you. You know, they're gonna train you and kinda take you under their wing, but you're still gonna have that entrepreneurial mindset and ability to, to strike out on your own. Um, you're somewhere in the middle then, and that's probably a good fit for you, is either that might be a 1099 agent job for a, a brokerage that wants to take you on. Um, that could be a remote W-2 job for a brokerage that's willing to coach you, um, you know, virtually or whatever the case might be. Um, either way, you gotta start by learning, and you just gotta start taking action. That's, I mean, I can't break it down any more Barney style than that. You got yeah, me. I would add one it's, thing. The only thing I would add to that, and I think it's all great advice, is if you do know of anyone that's in the industry or even just network to meet some people in our Facebook group, just say, hey, if there's any brokers out there willing to spend you know, 15 minutes, I had some specific 
and this is important, don't just say, hey, just can you jump on a call to chat? Because unless you know what you wanna ask, don't ask somebody else to spend their time with you. But I would sit down and write down some questions that you really want answered if this is something you feel like is a good fit and reach out to some people on LinkedIn, network, reach out to some people on our Facebook group. Somebody out there is gonna be willing to spend 15, 20 minutes with you and especially agents that are looking for sub-agents. They're actively people looking for people with the curiosity. Yep. They'll spend a half an hour with you and tell you exactly what it's like to work on their team, what they do and what their business is like. And further, I would tell you that within a 25 mile radius of wherever you live, unless you live like in the boonies, there is likely a startup freight or a, you know self-owned freight broker or a small brokerage company, maybe an office for a larger company, maybe an independent agent that lives in that area. Find them on LinkedIn or in a Facebook group or some kind of networking um, format there and take them out for coffee. Just say, hey, can I buy you, can I buy, you, if you live in Buffalo, buy you some Tim Hortons, right? Or maybe you're a Dunkin' Donut mm -hmm. or a Starbucks person. There's definitely some listeners right now that have no idea what Tim Hortons is. That's our, that's our every time, coffee shop. Every time I hear about it, I see do the Dr. Seuss book, Horton Hears a Who, and I just, that image, every time <laughs> someone says Tim Hortons, that's what I see. Take them out for coffee, take them out for breakfast or lunch or brunch, what, take them out for a beer. I don't know, I don't really care. Go at, Offer them something and pick their brain because you may you may have a you know an hour long or a half hour long conversation with that person and you might realize I don't want to do this right mm -hmm. save yourself or, the time. And I, or that's exactly and now you've got someone that you've connected with that you've got or you know you can ask questions to so that's what I would add to like honestly you know if I would get on Google I would look for the closest freight brokerage to me and I would call them and say, hey, I'm really interested in the industry. Would you mind if I came and shadowed somebody in your company? Um, are you guys hiring? If they are hiring, they'll definitely let you come in and shadow. And even if they aren't, and you've got enough you know, ambition and that comes across in the phone call, I can't imagine they don't let you come in and shadow for a couple hours and see the vibe. That's an important yeah. thing that I think most people starting from home don't get to see out of the gate, and I think that's an important aspect of this. So most brokerages um, like that are in your local town, you know, maybe they've got 30 or 50 people and whatever. Most of them, if they're doing it right, they're normally always hiring brokers because mm -hmm. it's a sales rep, right? And that's gonna help increase revenue. And there are a lot of times hiring for like dispatch, like operational care sales type roles because if it's tough to find carriers and they've got business that they're not covering, freight they're not covering, they're gonna want more bodies and seats doing that. So you can go in and like you just said, Ben, shadow for a day and kind of ask questions of, hey, what is your job like every day? It's literally what I did before I, I switched from um, the asset side to the brokerage side. I went in and I interviewed with a company and then I went and I shadowed the business development team for like an hour or so. And I just asked like, hey, so you know, what do you guys do? And I just kind of listened to some of our phone calls, stuff like that. Um, and it's cool because you, you get to know potentially, maybe if you're actually interviewing at this place, you kind of get to know the people that you may be working mm -hmm. with too. And you might realize, yeah, eh, maybe I'm gonna go and apply somewhere else. Interview down oh, the hey, road. These guys are great. You know? Yep. So there you go. You know, think outside the box. Uh, good episode. A lot of good stuff coming up. Do we have a topic for next week? I know we're, we're doing an interview with a, a successful broker. We um, do. The topic is going to be on policies and setting up for receivables. I mean, as credit's kind of tightening, what we're going to be talking about is how we're actually going to set that up and how we're going to be able to really collect receivables and manage that aspect of the business. 
That's good. That's especially for those of you out there that own your own brokerage. Um, even if you don't, it's good to understand. Like, hey, why was my why was my credit line not approved? Or you know, whatever mm-hmm. the case might be. It's good to understand what's going on behind the scenes. So great episode. Again, this has been episode 139. Man, we're getting old as a podcast here. Um, but yeah, make sure to check out there. the show notes for all the stuff we mentioned. I will make sure to add a link for the um, pickyourown.org. There's a special part of their website that has those produce calendars in there based on which state you're in. Um, so I don't think we're going to ever create our own because I'm not going to recreate the wheel here when someone else has already done it. So yes, you got uh, any closing thoughts here? Proverbs, you, you want any Henry Ford quotes? <laughs> whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Check out the show notes for links to anything that we've referenced on this episode. And make sure to visit us online at Freight360.net to see our entire library of episodes, videos, blogs, and more. And make sure to check us out on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel for daily and weekly tips and content. If you'd like your question answered on the show, fill out the contact us form on our site and we'll see you next week.